place accountably. Good evening, everyone on Zoom, everyone in the room. Um, probably a brief talk tonight, but I want to expand on those words that I mentioned at the beginning of sitting, you know, when you, when you sit and as you go through your life, to have a strong back and a soft front. What does that mean? Let's have a look at what that means. Having, having the strong back um, is really referring to what we would um, call in modern psychology resilience, you know, which is the ability to, to bounce back from adversity and, and be upright again. Do you know like those um, uh, Bodhidharma Daruma dolls in, in Japan, the little figurines on a, a Bodhidharma on a, on a solid um, base, round base, and you knock him over and he comes back up again. And um, he's, a, he's a, a metaphor for, for resilience. And there is a saying in um, Japanese culture, nine times down, ten times up. Huh. Mm -hmm. Get knocked down by life, up you come again, down, up. Right? So traditional Zen training, um, particularly because it's also got a male orientation to it as well, um, places actually a lot of emphasis on on building resilience in life. And I think it really does um, build resilience, which is a, a wonderful thing. And in other, in other terms, you could call it equanimity. You know, like, regardless of the, the, the fortunes or, or misfortunes of your life, you know, you can, you can bounce back and have a sense of equanimity and self-right again in various types of circumstances. And it's a wonderful um, uh, skill, you know, to develop. <clears throat> However, um, if that's all we do, if that's our kind of conscious or unconscious understanding of what we aspire to in Zen, is to just build resilience and equanimity, um, we're missing half the picture. And the other half of the picture, the strong back is the resilience. The soft front is vulnerability. And um, it's, possible, it's possible to do Zen practice aspiring to that um, experience of resilience. Probably, if you're male, you get drawn into it even more. Um, and uh, that, that's your kind of aspiration. Um, but if that's if it, it, it's only half the picture, and if you get locked into a a concept of yourself as having to be bulletproof, you know, having equanimity, <coughs> then you're not in touch with your vulnerability, mm -hmm. and um, so that's why we need both. And one of the um, one of the real gifts that um, uh, Charlotte Joko Beck, my teacher, I think brought to Zen practice, and maybe it's no surprise that it was a woman who who saw this so clearly, is that um, she developed a practice where she challenged people and welcomed people into staying with their vulnerability. You know, so how they how they feel the the soft underbelly of their life where they, um, uh, you know, to make it more specific, when we experience insecurity, you know, when we ex experience powerlessness, when we experience fear, when we experience sadness, when we experience shame, 
you know, which are all part of our emotional repertoire. And, and love, too. Love is a, an experience. A quivering heart is an experience of vulnerability as well. Um, and our Zen practice is about cultivating both of those things, you know, the resilience and the vulnerability. Um, and that's, that was, I suppose, part of my learning experience in, in taking up Zen practice with Joko, um, who challenged some of these um, Japanese conditioned ways in which we were practicing ideas. And uh, in particular, if you go over and you read the uh, reading by John Wellwood on power and vulnerability, that's an excellent essay that really gives you an insight into if you allow yourself to be vulnerable, um, paradoxically, it makes you stronger and you have to allow your world to collapse, you know, for the, the fragile ego shell that we think is resilience to drop away. And when we touch pl- place with our vulnerability, there is a, there's a strength and there's a, an empathy that comes with it. So strong back and being upright, symmetrical, grounded, solid, um, being able to bounce back easily. And vulnerability is really associated with, with empathy. Mm-hmm. And just to branch off a little into the, the neuroscience of it, um, Richard Davidson, who's um, an American professor, I don't know whether you've read any of his work, but he's done a lot of the MRI studies on meditation in the brain and so on. And he, through his work, he wrote a, wrote a book called Your Emotional Brain, I think, and he identified various emotional systems that work in our brain. And the, the significant two are the ability to experience empathy and connection with others, you know, and compassion, feel the pain of other people and other animals and beings and so on. And resilience, we've got both of them. And we, we need to get out of our, when we practice them, we need to get out of some of our dualistic, conditioned ways of thinking of it, um, where we can think of it in a, a non-dualistic kind of way, that the two can exist side by side. You can have empathy, quivering heart, vulnerability, compassion, and you can have strength at the same time. They don't, they don't cancel one another out. And it's through Zen practice that both of these things are cultivated. And in some ways, they challenge uh, conventional gender stereotypes about men and women. And um, as men, we're kind of conditioned to be to 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 value resilience, you know, being strong and being providers and protectors and so on. And and women are brought up to expect that they they're nurturing and they can be emotionally vulnerable and so on. And um, so it's important that we, we, we challenge those gender stereotypes in our practice so that um, as men, um, we can be vulnerable and embrace that. And as women, you can be strong mm-hmm. and you have both together. And um, the problem comes when we get caught in those gender stereotypes is 
men are attracted to and seek out emotionally vulnerable women and women seek out strong protective men mm -hmm. and then they're polarised you know it's like they're looking to the other to fill something that they haven't cultivated themselves and it's important we don't we don't fall into those traps in, in Zen practice we're getting outside of cultural conditioning or gender conditioning so it's important that we we, we look at both sides of our practice and cultivate both sides of our practice um, and that's what we aspire to.